Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, church. If you're a guest, we're just glad you've chosen to worship with us and and to share your Sunday morning with us. Folks, we get it. There's a lot of competition on Sunday mornings, isn't there? You know, whether it's football or whether it's, you know, uh, yeah, I know NASCAR. Everybody's got to bring up NASCAR. Maybe it's been a while since being at church, or maybe it's your first time coming to church. And we hope that this message in this series will help you take your next step closer to Jesus. Whether it was, I don't know, maybe that whole COVID thing, or maybe you just got out of the habit because you missed a few Sundays here and there, and you just couldn't find a way to get back. We just thought if we made an event called Back to Church Sunday, it would be a lot easier to come, get some free stuff, and then get back in the habit again. How many know when somebody points a finger at you that there's a whole bunch of fingers pointing back at the person pointing the finger? I don't need anybody telling me everything wrong in my life. I do a better job at it than you. So we're not here to point fingers at people. And neither is God. I think this whole thing should be more about relationship than about all the big rules. Well, I hope this Back to Church Sunday is going to be a great on-ramp for all of us to get back into the habit of coming and fellowshipping and worshiping the King of Kings. Well, Lord, we just thank you and just pray that you would come and fill this place and give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God wants us to see and to hear. Lord, give us eyes to see, Lord, how Jesus is moving in our lives and the lives of other people. Give us a nose to smell the rose of Sharon and know the presence of God is in this place and in our lives. Lord, give us hands that would touch and edify. And and Lord, we could see healing through the laying on of hands, the miraculous. Lord, help us to have hearts that would beat in perfect synergy with Jesus. Lord, we just pray. Lord, that we could believe for the impossible. And we just pray your will and your way in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. You know, I've been a pastor at all different age levels. I've been a a youth pastor. I've been a children's pastor for eight years. That was a riot. That was probably some of the best time of ministries, being a children's pastor. College pastor, young adults pastor, and and been a senior pastor. And, And I'll tell you, that's when the gray hair came in. Yeah, I was that senior pastor bit. But I'll tell you something, I always had this rule, and I even have the rule when I coach sports and stuff, and here's my number one rule, you must have fun. You know, church isn't supposed to be boring, 
It's supposed to be fun. So I got a little something fun to do with you all. And I hope some of you guys are pretty good with math. And if you need to, pull out a pen, a little piece of paper. But the stuff you're going to do, it's a secret. So don't share it with him or her, okay? It's just between you. So I need you to kind of put on the thinking cap here for a little bit. We're going to start with numbers, and then we're going to go into a letter and all that kind of fun stuff. So let's start with this. I want each of you to think, just right now in your mind, Think of a number between 1 and 9. Just think of a number. Any number between 1 and 9. All right, you got that number? All right, between 1 and 9. Now, the next thing I want you to do is I want you to multiply whatever your number is times 9. I know, back to the math. math. Oh, some of you guys are pulling out your phones. Are you kidding me? Come on. Just find your number and multiply it by 9. All right, you got that? Now, when you get that number, it'll probably be a two-digit number. So let's pretend it was 35. Take the two digits and combine them. So if it was 35, 3 and 5 would make 8. Okay? So whatever your number is, take the two digits, combine them or add them together, and what is that number? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Okay? Now... Subtract five. Subtract five. For those of you who may know this thing, I will, you would do a great favor in keeping your mouth quiet right now. All right. Subtract five. Did you subtract five yet? Okay. Now, now we're done with all the math. Now we're going to go to the letters. So if one equals A, then two would equal B. Three would equal C. 4 would equal D, 5 would equal E. So in the alphabet, on your number, whatever that number may be, I want you to find your letter that corresponds to your number. 1 is A, 2 is B, 3 is C. So find your letter. Now don't tell me and don't tell your neighbor. Find your letter. Anybody find your letter? Okay, here's what I want you to do next. Remember, I'm going to read your mind. I just want you to know that. So with your letter, think of a country, any country. It has to start with your letter. Just think of a country with that letter. All right. Take a little bit. Think on that. All right, now you all probably got a, a country. Now we're going to go to the last letter of your country. Go to the last letter of your country. Now I want you to think of a mammal, an animal, that starts with the last letter of the name of the country that you picked. Did you get that? So let's start off. Can you think... Some of you are like, I can't think of a country with that letter. <laughs> All right. So once you find the mammal or the animal of the last letter of the country, let's, let's, well, let's go with another last letter. Take the last letter of the animal you picked and pick a fruit. Pick a fruit. It has to start with the last letter of the animal. So whatever the last letters of your animal, pick a fruit. All right, so here I'm going to go. 
Mm, I'm reading your mind right now. I'm reading the minds. You guys are weird. That is really strange. You know, there's, there's just not that many kangaroos that are in Denmark eating oranges. Hello? How many? How many? How many had it? Oh, some of you went koala and ate apples? Huh. Now you all picked your own numbers. Didn't you? you all, I didn't tell you what number to pick. How many of you guys were surprised? Gosh, Pastor, you can actually do something more than preach. Go figure. You know, one of the things I've always enjoyed about a really good illusionist is that sense of surprise. That how did they do that feeling? And if it's done really well, that illusion or that trick can, can really catch us off guard and leave us with that sense of wonder, with that sense of amazement. But in the end, we know it's a trick. And once we know the secret, it loses all its thunder. And you're all going, are you going to tell us the secret? At the end of the sermon, remind me, I'll tell you the secret. If you don't remind me, I won't tell you. It's interesting to me now how some people can sometimes look at faith or look at Christianity as just some kind of an illusion, just some kind of a trick being played on people. But faith is not some kind of trick. The truth is that people come to church with many different life experiences about church. Some have no church background. Some grew up in church. Some were burnt bad by the church. Some have even given up going to church altogether. And if you got burnt by a church, which I have more than once, cost me my career. I have something to say to you. It wasn't God that burnt you. It was messed up people. Uh, do you catch that? Now, the truth is, me saying that doesn't fix the wrong that was done to you. But please note that what they did does not represent who God is and how much God loves you and cares for you even today. Faith in God is not some twisted trick being played on people. Maybe you grew up in faith and, and all they ever did was give you the don'ts of the Bible. Don't, don't, don't. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't cheat. Don't do tobacco and don't kiss a girl who does. Don't, don't, don't. I don't know about you, but that's, that's a pretty big turnoff. When all you think is that the Bible is nothing but a book of rules. 
don't ever do this, don't ever think this, don't ever say this. No, 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 no. And actually, the don'ts is not what Jesus is all about. Jesus is all about being in relationship with Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Actually, the Bible is really about, it's just flooded with this incredible thing called wisdom. Now, now think about it. We start in Genesis. There was only one commandment. <laughs> Did you know that? Don't eat from that tree. Then by the time we get to Exodus chapter 20, he says, hey, hey, here's 10 of them. What, what are we learning? We can't even handle one commandment. Now you're giving us 10? Trying to prove a point. Without me, you can't do it. Then we get into Levitical law, 613. Don'ts. What are we learning? We can't follow the rules. That's kind of important to catch. But Jesus is wanting us to catch something more. It wasn't about don't behave this way, don't and behave this way. There's something entirely different that Jesus is trying to get us to comprehend. There's wisdom in those words. Let me give you an example. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. Don't take stuff that don't belong to you. Well, why in the world? I really like that thing. That is a beautiful car. I'm going to take it. I deserve it. So I take the stupid car. And I'm smiling while I'm driving. What happens when you steal? Eventually you get caught. When you get caught, you get arrested. You get arrested, you get embarrassed. You get embarrassed and your family is ashamed. They convict you and they put you in a box and throw away the key. Now your family, who is now ashamed and embarrassed, have to try to find a way to provide for themselves because you're locked up. Do you think maybe there's some wisdom to don't steal? You see, the, we don't catch the wisdom part. We just catch, you don't want me to have fun. How many? If you don't raise your hand for that, I'm raising too. We all get that. Wisdom is there in those don'ts. Have you ever wondered... When you start bringing up this kind of stuff, what, what, especially if you're a Christian, because you would dare not want to ask this question out loud, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time. Here's the question. What's this Christianity stuff really, really all about? See, the truth about Christianity is it begins not in the New Testament when Jesus starts speaking, doing his ministry, at age 30. No, it actually goes all the way back into the Old Testament to the very first book of the Bible called Genesis. You know where it really begins? Not in creation, but in chapter 3, where we find the fall of man. You know the story of Adam and Eve eating the apple? We don't know if it was an apple. It could have been a pineapple for all we know. But they ate the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree. Again, had they not eaten it, we wouldn't have a problem. And that's where it started. 
That's where it started from. The result was that because Adam and Eve violated and rebelled against God, ate from the tree, every child that would come from the line and lineage of Adam and Eve would now be connected to sin. You and me are connected to sin. Look with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And it says this. Will you all read it with me out loud? Ready? Begin. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Let me share the story with you. A defendant was on trial for murder in Oklahoma. And there was just strong evidence that he was guilty of this crime. A lot of evidence. But the problem was an itty-bitty problem. There was no body. They couldn't find the body. But they knew he had done it. So, as the case was coming to a close, the attorney knew, man, my, my client, he's going away for a long, long time. He's never getting out. I don't know what to do. And he decided to pull a trick. Pull a trick on the jurors. And this is what he did. He said, I want to let you everyone know here in the jury that in one minute, the person who has been accused of being murdered is going to walk right through those courtroom doors in less than a minute all the jurors they kind of sat up in their chair and they all turned they all stared at the doors they're looking over at the defendant they're looking at the doors and over i mean you could just hear it like 59 58 57 30 15 5 Four, three, two. Hey, I just, now, 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 everybody, listen to me. Here's the attorney, right? I just played a little bit of a trick on you. There is no victim coming through that door. But the truth of the matter is, is each and every one of you in the jury were staring at those doors because there is doubt that she is actually dead. And because you doubt, because you were staring at the doors, there's something inside of you that you know that she's alive. And they all look puzzled. And then he closes with this final word. Therefore, you need to find my client innocent, not guilty. Well, the judge sends them out and they go away and they're... As they are conversing amongst themselves, you hear something going on. And then all of a sudden, it was dead quiet. The bailiff went and got the jurors and brought them all back in. It was only 15 minutes. They come in. They hand the verdict to the bailiff. The judge looks at it, says, go ahead and send it out. And he says, the bailiff yells out, We the jury find the defendant guilty. And the lawyer screams out, How could you do it? You all, you all were looking at the door. You all knew. You all have doubt. I love what the foreman said. Oh, we all looked at the courtroom doors. But your client never did. You see, the defendant knew the truth 
Others may not know all the things that you and I have done and all the things we have said and we may regret. We know the things that we've done that were just flat out wrong. But the truth be told, like the defendant, we do know the truth of our own sin. See, all have sinned. My name is Marvin Telemontis. I'm a sinner. How about you? See, this sin issue, it affects everyone. It is a massive problem that each and every person, we instinctively know within us. I don't care what language you speak. I don't care what land you were born in. That we all know down deep inside that we are not naturally in the right place with the Creator of the universe. Because we all have sin. We know it. The secret is that we all need a Savior to make things right with God regarding our sin. Have you ever stopped to think to ask yourself, am I in a good place? Am I in a right standing with God right now? I mean, I'm not talking about how you were long ago. I'm talking about now. Today. Right here. How is it? Good? Great! Praise God. Not so good. With that in mind, the need for salvation begins to become clear. Simply put, we need to be saved because of sin. Because of our personal sin. Our secret lives. Look at, with me at 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, have you ever been across some people that they just they're so adamant against people of faith? And they just say, Well, that's how you think about it. It's not the way I think about it. You know, it's according to you. Well, the word of God says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. And not living in the truth. Have you ever done something because somebody told you a lie and had you not been told a lie, you would have never done what you did? And when you found out you were lied to, you feel kind of silly, foolish, stupid? The enemy of your soul would want you and I to think that we don't have any sin. That's foolish. If we're honest, we all do. We all do. Sin is rebellion. It's, it's rebellion against God. Sin harms other people. It damages us. And most importantly, it dishonors our God. The Bible also teaches that because God is, his, because He's holy, because He is just, He, can, he cannot allow sin to go be unpunished. You know, sin can't make it to heaven. But He wants each and every one of us and everybody born before us and everybody born after us, He wants all humanity to be at the table. 
We're all part of the family. But because of his holiness, my sin is not permitted to be in his presence. What do you mean? Go into a dark room. I've been in a cave. Oh my gosh, in Arkansas. We were probably about a mile deep into this cave. And we would go like this. I mean, literally touching our nose. And I couldn't see anything. I mean, that when they say pitch black, I'm telling you, it, it, you couldn't see nothing. When you turn the light on, darkness can't comprehend. Darkness has to go. So what happens if I have sin, I have darkness in me, and I get before God the Father, and His powerfulness is light, I wouldn't be able to stand in His presence. I would be gone. So out of His love, He has to deal with my sin and my darkness so I could be in His presence. So I could have relationship with Him. That His holiness, His goodness, His justice, His greatness, His awesomeness, it would not destroy me because of my sin. See, God had a plan of salvation because of Adam and Eve. And that plan meant that God Himself is the only one who could provide for salvation. Only He, sinless, could deal with sin. Folks, we are utterly unable to correct sin in our life. I mean, I could say I'm sorry till I'm blue in the face. I mean, I could pull out as much money out of the bank and everything else and try to pay for it all. I could go and volunteer anywhere and everywhere. I mean, I could do anything and everything and all that work ain't going to do nothing. It's not going to get me there. Why? Because my sin stops me from fixing the problem. What's the problem? Sin. But God who is holy, Jesus who is holy, who is sinless, now we can fix a problem. Or He can. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And look what Paul writes here. For God made Christ, who, say it with me, never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be right with God through Christ. I, I mean, I, that just says it's super easy. Isn't that great? Since Jesus is God, His sacrifice, His resurrection... It is of infinite and eternal value. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross fully paid for my sin, for your sin, for your kids' sin, your grandchildren's kids, for everybody's sin. I, I like what 1 John says 2 2. He himself, meaning Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not our sins, but the sins of all the world. Woo! This is when I'm going to get all fired up. Love this. His resurrection from the dead demonstrated that His sacrifice was sufficient and that salvation is now available. If His 
death on the cross was not enough, that he had actually sinned in secret, you know he would have stayed dead? Jesus would have stayed dead. But because he was sufficient, he was sinless and obedient to the Father, he rose from the dead. That's the verification of his sacrifice. So how does salvation work? I mean, what do you got to do? You know, you know, in Acts chapter 16, around 31st verse, uh, I'm going to turn to it. A man asked the apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That, that, believe. That's it. The way to follow God's plan of salvation is to believe. It's the only requirement. John 3, 16. Y'all say with me. Let's see how many of you guys got this one memorized. Here we go. Ready? Begin. For God so loved the world, that who's pleasing Him, but have everlasting life. That's the whole gospel. That's it. If you don't memorize anything from the Bible, memorize the Gospel of John, the third chapter, the 16th verse. Just memorize that one. He provided salvation through Jesus. And all we have to do is receive it, to believe it, to trust it. In Acts 4, verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I'm sure Buddha was a great guy, but he ain't got it. I'm sure Gandhi was a great guy. He ain't got it. It doesn't matter where you go. It's only Jesus. He is the only way. Why? He's the only one who resurrected from the dead. Who verified that he was the sacrifice the payment for the penalty of sin. It's good news. But here's the question. God loves the whole world and He loves you. But will you receive it? Have you received it? Or have you received it? But let's just be honest. It's been a little bit distant for quite a while. I mean, I still believe in here. But man, he, he doesn't sound nearly as close as he used to be. And then comes back to church Sunday. And Lord says, enough! Come on home, boy! Let's get her going again. Come on! Come on, girl! I'm not here to pick on all the stuff you've done wrong. I'm here to say, grab my hand. Grab my hand, child. Follow me. Be comfortable with me. Let me show you something. Come here, Ava. Come here, babies. She knows me. She's not afraid of me. She will run to me. Just like she runs to mom and dad. You see, a child 
who knows the love of their father wants to be in their arms. Wants to be held. Can you give me a kiss? Not right now. People are looking. Good girl. Love you, Eva. Bye. Folks, that's how the Lord wants you. He wants you in His arms. He wants to be able to look at you real close. And you to look at Him real close. And wants you to feel that warmth of family. And how you belong and how you're a part of the family of God. Sin, very simply, is that thing that makes us selfish inside. Makes us hateful. It makes us angry. Destructive. Oh my gosh. How many foolish things have we done because of sin in our life? Regrets. Jesus died on a cross to free us from the bondage of sin. And that is such great news. You know, at the end of John 3.16, it tells us that anyone who believes Jesus died would live for eternity. Free from punishment, free from being separated from the King of Kings. But the question is, where are you right now? Would everybody close their eyes and bow your heads? And the question I have for you is, if something tragic was to happen today, out of your control, do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? I'm asking. Do you want to know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior and that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? That you'll live with Him forever and ever and ever. If that's you, you just want to make sure that you're right with God and you want to say, I believe. And I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be the leader of my life. And not just on Sundays. If that's you, would you look up at me? Would you raise your hand at me? Praise God. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Maybe it's time to say, I've been taking my faith too lightly. No, I need to get it right. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you look at me? Amen. It's amazing how I can just sense and see God tugging on somebody's heart. So Lord, here we are right now, being open and honest with You and with one another. It's not about the rules. It's about being in relationship with You. And because we're in relationship with You, we don't want to do, we don't want to break rules. We want to do things that would draw us closer to you, not farther from you. So everybody, would you pray this out loud with me? Say, Dear Jesus, be the leader of my life. Be the Savior of my life. 
Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry, God. I'm really sorry. I need your help. Will you guide me? Each and every step. I love you, Lord. I thank you for the work on the cross. I thank you for the empty tomb. For your resurrection. Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' holy name. And Lord, I pray for each and every person that has prayed this prayer. I pray blessing be upon them. I pray you would bless their relationship with you. I pray you would bless relationships with others. Bless their marriages. Bless their children. Bless their children's children. I pray you give them a hope and a future. I come against the the enemy of their soul who's going to try to destroy them with vain imagination and guilt and shame. And we bind that in the name of Jesus right now. I pray you lift them up. I pray you cause them to, they can't stop smiling in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that John 3.16 would become so real, so real, so real to them that they got to go tell somebody else because it's too good of news not to share it. So I pray, Lord, that you continue to help us week after week to see more people continue to come back to church. And eventually they'll be able to say, that's my church. And that's where Jesus meets me. We pray your will and your way in Jesus' holy name. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.